You're listening to Bedroom Beethoven's, where notable music makers break down stories accompanied by songs and melodies documenting growth through their 10,000-hour journey. And me? Well, my name is Cello, your host. Hey folks, this episode is brought to you by PloyLab.com, and they want you to relive the 90s with some of the most popular 90s video games. Look, I'm an 80s baby, which means my childhood was the 90s. And now you can play these retro gems such as Super Mario World. Look, I bet every teen has played Mario. You like RPGs? Remember Final Fantasy III? Well, what about Road Rash? Look, every 90s boy's favorite motorcycle game was Road Rash. Sonic the Hedgehog 2? The first console game to have a save feature? You remember that? How about Legend of Zelda? It was one of the longest-running action-adventure 90s video games. And it evolved to Zelda Ocarina of Time and A Link to the Past. Classic, classic, classic. Don't forget great shooters like Duke Nukem 3D, the Doom franchise, Halo, GoldenEye for N64, Mortal Kombat, survival horror like Resident Evil, and MMOs like World of Warcraft. Did I mention Diablo? Remember Diablo? It was a series of action role-playing hack-and-slash dungeon-crawler video games. And everyone's favorite mascot, Spyro the Dragon and Crash Bandicoot. It's hard to summarize your retro childhood in the matter of a few moments. I hope I did a good job, but it just kind of, I'm giving you the scoop of some of the biggest franchises and moments that, in, in gaming that you can relive. And how do you do that? Well, you could discover amazing arcade machines at ploylab.com. Me specifically, I'm using the Pandora Box 3D 18S Pro arcade game console. It's preloaded with 4,000 games. It's a pretty good mix of 2D and 3D games, 64 gigabytes of memory, built-in speakers, and Wi-Fi, so you can connect to the internet to enter the game market where you can download and find almost all of your favorite games. But also at Ploy Lab, they have various game simulators, various systems, and you can relive all of the cool moments I mentioned above and more. Head on over to Ploy Lab. That's P-L-O-Y-L-A-B dot com. Hey guys and gals, you heard it once and you'll hear it again. Thousand Fell are returning sponsors to the show because they're a product I use. Thousand Fell creates the world's first 100% recyclable circular sneaker. And let me tell you something. I did a photo shoot the other day. True story. I was wearing a brand new outfit and the photographer complimented my shoes. Not my shirt, not my expensive watch, my shoes. So if I'm getting praise out in the wild about these shoes, it's the real deal. Thousand Fell sneakers not only do good, they look good, as I mentioned, feel good, and are built to last. This podcast is all about promoting progress and personal development. And I think if you're a fashionable, conscious listener, in addition to all that, these shoes fit the bill. Stain and water resistant, odor repellent, blister proof, and I saved the best for last the first time they sponsored me. White was the primary color, but starting on November the 20th, new black shoe option is launching. That's right, black shoe options. So head on over to thousandfell.com, and if you buy, select Bedroom Beethoven's in their post-purchase survey. Let them know I sent you. The future of footwear is here. That website, again, is thousandfell.com. Bedroom Beethoven. 
Hey everybody, welcome to episode 94 of the podcast. My guest this week is... I go by the, the, the name Obliv. Uh, I'm a, a beat maker, musician, a producer. I've produced for... Certain acts such as uh, Fly Anakin, uh, Nicholas F., uh, Susie Analog, Yoro Droog, a lot of a lot of your favorite underground artists. Yeah, aka uh, one half of Stardust, aka Dark Twain, aka Brad O, aka Bradford Thomas, aka I'm just I'll stop that. <laughs> All of that. This episode marks the third Mutant Academy member on the show, following behind the footsteps of Twami and E1. Now I have the master of psychedelic analog soul hop Obliv who believes that sound is vibration, so in addition to music being heard, it should be felt. Him and I are using podcasts, music, electronics, and tech to express our humanity, and I know you can dig that. We talk about some consciously held beliefs and worries to surface and become understood. This process happens naturally, sequentially, bringing to light one issue at a time as we talk about life and VA the effects of a pandemic, and how it's shaped his thinking. A little bit of fatherhood and what lies ahead. I dare you to find another 30-minute interview that's jam-packed with as much extraction of the man as this one. Listen, I appreciate everyone tuning in week after week, or maybe this is your first time here. A quick rundown would be that this podcast is available wherever podcasts can be heard. And if you want to keep the show ad-free or, heck, you just like me, patreon.com slash bedroombeethovens to donate as little as a buck to get some cool perks and show your love. YouTube just passed 500 subscribers, so thanks to everyone who went over to the Bedroom Beethoven's YouTube page for the love there. Shout out to J57, the whole 5-7 collective, and everyone at Mutant Academy. I welcome you to another enlightened conversation about the art of commerce, the spirit of self, and of course, music. Obliv, Bedroom Beethovens. Let's start the show. You just had oral surgery, man. So this is the podcast edition of Through the Wire. Or, or are you good? You getting better? Are you feeling better? Oh, I'm I'm better. I'm better. I had a, I had a little scare. I had a little dry socket scare, but we good though. We good. All right, man. Yeah, I, I appreciate your willingness of being here. Um, I appreciate it. Appreciate you having me. So you, you're born and raised in Virginia by chance? Yes, sir. Born and raised. So what is there to do in VA? Because it's like a big, small city, right? You know, there's, uh, you know, historically there's there's a lot there's a lot of history. So it's a you know tourist town. There's a lot of like tourist sites, but you know um, it's it's fairly small. You know, like community wise, you know, it's not a lot of people, but there's a lot of things here. Um, so yeah, I mean, most of, for the most part, how I grew up, um, I grew up between uh, Chesterfield and Richmond. Um, Chesterfield is a like the county right outside of Richmond. It's like maybe like ten minutes, and I literally lived. Grew up on the on the on the county line uh, between I grew, I was born in Richmond, but then I grew up in Chesterfield, going back and forth. So, but it's only like a five minute 
drive into into downtown. But so, you know, it's it's it's, it's pretty quiet, you know, um, a lot of a lot of a lot of racial issues, a lot of historical things going on here. Um, so really all I did growing up was uh, hang out and make music and, and, and listen to music and get deeper into that. So when Pusha T said, I'm from Virginia, ain't shit to do but cook. That's that's not exactly Richmond. Nobody in your city was smirking at the Simpsons trial, maybe. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, really, though, like, like he, he was talking about, you know, uh, you know, Norfolk and stuff, but it's, it wasn't far off from Richmond, too. You know, it really isn't much to do here. <laughs> but making a career in music, there's a bias towards Richmond. I found that. I found that out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know why, but it just seems like there's a, you know, uphill, real uphill climb, you know, with, with the music industry and, and entertainment industry in general in Richmond. So so why do we call it Rich Mind? <laughs> we call it Rich Mind. Uh, <laughs> I did my oh, homework, you, you sure did. Wow. Because, man, because of the history involved. And if you, if you, if you research it, you know, Richmond uh, for what it was and what it is, you know, um, you you can become rich in the mind, you know, from the history, you know. So. All right. Yeah, because word on the street is, is in middle school, you were a regular Cullen Knight. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> wow. Wow. Oh. <laughs> I don't know about that, man. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, well, how, how does your son, how does your son compare to you in the trumpet department? <laughs> Um, he, he's coming along, um, you know, with, uh, with, you know, COVID and all this stuff, he hasn't been in school and he hasn't been able to get, um, much like hands-on, uh, teaching and lessons, but I mean, he's, he's still playing. We still got it. He's still playing and he, he knows how to read music. He's, he's going to be better than me, uh, when, uh, when he's 13 than I was at 13. So. Well, you're you're one of those guys that exclaim that hip hop saved your life. You know, why do you think that you'd end up dead or in jail if you didn't have music? And how can you make sure that your son doesn't end up feeling the same way? Being able to uh, being able to provide him this uh, uh, the outlets to to do all these things uh, to to be able to experience music and stuff. Um, you know, growing up myself, my parents, you know, they were they were you know pretty working class, um, and they just wanted me to get through school, um, and they supported me any way they could, but. Um, everything that I did was pretty much on my own, uh, motivation. Like I discovered the music I wanted to do, you know, take music as an elective and all that. But with me, with my knowledge and stuff, I wanted to impart upon him. He's getting a way earlier, way earlier head start. So just, just that alone, I feel like, um, he's, he, he's in a better, better place than, than I was at his age. So and also, I, I also think a contributing factor is like you said, you were like 10 minutes away from Richmond, which has a population of 200,000 people. But when you relocate to a place like Forest Hills, we're going to chop that population down to 1,400. So the noise goes down dramatically. You know, maybe that, maybe, you know, living in a place that has a low populace affects you as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and actually, we, we, we've moved now. Uh, me and my, my wife and I, we got a new house. Um, we're back pretty much to in the area where I grew up in. Uh, so, and that's actually not, that might be even less, uh, less people. It's, it's, it's way sparser than, than Forest Hill even. So he has way more time on his hands, uh, to, to get, <laughs> to, to get, you know, into, into stuff. So, but he's, he's a good kid. He's, he's really about music. Actually, he's upstairs right now, um, singing and playing something. I can't really tell, but I hear the humming. That's awesome, man. And in the year 2000, though, you're, you know, you graduate high school, you're at a crossroads in your life. 
what what did you decide to do? Because uh, was Virginia Commonwealth University just the next step? Because well, that's just kind of what you do after high school, or was that more of a conscious decision? Um, it was it was it was a conscious decision, but it, it was it was a mix of both. Um, and I could have gone different routes. Um, music wasn't my only uh, only option. I was also um, big in big in the theater. I actually got uh, won the superlative uh, best uh, best actor in high school senior year. Um, so, and my theater teacher and my music teacher were actually kind of like going back and forth from like, which field I should go in. Like, cause I could have gone into the theater program at VCU, but I also could have gone into the music program. I auditioned for both and I got into both. Um, and I just decided that, you know, music was, music was, I don't know. I, I just felt at the time that music was more of a challenge and something I was more into at the time. So I went the, the music route, but it, it could have, I could have went a whole nother route and, and did theater. But um, music was something I did before I had gotten into, uh, into theater. So it was closer to my heart. So I decided to go that route. You know, what's crazy is a few years ago, the faculty held a Virginia Commonwealth University party and a fight broke out. So now they have a restriction on their ABC license that prohibits them from doing anything that focuses on hip hop or rap. I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised at all. Like, I mean, it, that's the thing about Richmond. It's, 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 there's a lot of culture, but it, it, the way that Richmond is set up, you've got VCU, but then you've got, you know, um, you know, Jackson Ward, Churchill, literally uh, across the highway. So then you get that mix. And sometimes that mix doesn't really uh, doesn't really gel too well together. So I'm not surprised. So it's not really a now it's not a cultivating place. If you're in the hip hop or rap, you're you're classically trained. But hip hop and R&B, that was always breathing on your neck. That was always an influence. Always. Yeah, always, always. Um, my parents, my mom, I remember, you know, Growing up, my mom listening to like Anita Baker in the car. My dad was listening. I clearly remember my dad listening to like Jeff Lorber in the car and stuff like that. And Freddie Jackson. And my dad had a record collection. So I was I was I was very much like into like, you know, the music of like, you know, my parents. So soul, jazz, but then also growing up in church. That had something to do with it too so yeah i was definitely into that but then when once i got into school getting the, the education and the formal the formal training and all that that kind of opened opened me up and brought my horizons to sleep last night tossed and turned thinking about your baby i didn't hurt you when i walked away wherever i gave Your dad stack of records, though he had a uh, he had like Billy Griffin type records, right? He had he had all types of records. He had George Benson. He had uh, Funkadelic. He had uh, West Montgomery records that I can't even find if I go out digging now. Like he was he was ahead. I I, I we we joke about it, um, but he when he was growing up, he was a digger back, back then. Like he would tell me he would just go to the record store and buy records sight and scene, not knowing who the group was. He would just look at the cover and it was wild and he would buy it. And I would ask him about it when, you know, growing up, I would ask him about a record. He wouldn't know anything about it. I'd be like, Yo, what's this about it? Like, I don't know. I just bought it one day. So, so I feel like, you know, that, that definitely rubbed off on me. Uh, Questlove presents babies making babies. And on it was Stanley Cowell's Sienna. Welcome, my darling. Mm, yeah. 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 
that, that that's that's a that's a very um it's a very important record to me. I love song. I love that one of your most prized possessions is a record that I can get on Discogs for three bucks. So that sentimental value is through the roof. Absolutely. I, I mean, really, like I'm I'm not worried about uh <laughs> about the monetary values, like what it means to you. You know, the you know a song that I you know, a Sesame Street song, you know, can mean something. It's all about, that's, to me, the emotional value and uh, the connection is what, what lasts. Jay Dilla flipped that beat. Did you hear that? Yeah, yeah. What would you think of that? Um, dope. <laughs> dope, as, as Dilla, you know, as Dilla is. Now, I'm from Texas, so you know we're the originator of Screw. But even on the East Coast, Chopped and Screw music reached your ears. It was hard to get people to appreciate that outside of where I was from at the time. Oh, wow, really? Wow. So if I yeah, if I rattle off names like Paul Wall and Camillionaire and Mike Jones and Little Flip and all that, you knew them before they were like on BET, those the North Side mixtapes the before the Yeah, OG Ron C, all of that, yeah. OG Ron C, man. OG yeah. OG Ron C. Trouble Shop Get Gang. Cause I is whatever you say I is. Jada Pinkett want me to father her kids. I'm more cold than the fridge. Call me Icebox, mouth got white rocks Matching my white gold watch, my bike's hot I spit more fire than a dragon Macho bowl stay sagging, Tyra Banks keep bagging Swingers on a paddy wagon, I'm blessed with a gift Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I grew up just with a curiosity about music And anything that caught my ear, I wanted to learn about I wanted to, you know, learn more about, get into uh, the nuances, you know, uh, in that 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 type of mentality, you know, go along with like informed my digging, you know, like buying records, looking at the artists, going off of the session players, finding it, if that session player has a solo record, then going off of there. So yeah, yeah. Looking inside my cars like going to the movies. Got a 19 inch laptop installed in my dash. I bought our Texaco just so I can lower the price of gas. I'm making Bobbers brown. Well, let's say in an alternate universe you signed the J Records. Would you have been happy? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I- you- you would have ended up working with D'Angelo. You would have been on a project with Q-Tip, Prince, Ray Hargrove, and other talents. So let's just say Prince heard the beat that you gave D'Angelo, and now he wants to tour with him. You know, the, the what-if game is dangerous. It is. It is. It is. It, I mean, I, I think about that sometimes, but I, I, I can't let that, you know, way too much in my brain. Um, of course, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. Um, it, it, it could have been, been something great, but I, I feel like things happen the way they happen. For a reason, so it, it is what it is. I try not to think about it too much. <laughs> I, I'm definitely not trying to plant that seed in your head, but I just I keep thinking about Obliv on Black Messiah, and I know you like teaming up with people. You know, Sir Froderick, you know Phil Withers, Fritz Ambrose, Sadu Gold, mm. Ben FM. I just I, I know you you like that collaboration. So it's important. Like I went through it right now. I'm kind of in a more like isolated insular phase of like getting deeper into myself. But yeah, man, um, collaboration is important. Very important. Uh, to uh, expand your horizons, connecting with other people, you know, and that's how, you know, new ideas are born. You know? So what do you get out of being in chocolate milk versus being in mutant Academy? Wow. <laughs> chocolate milk was, um, chocolate milk was, was really, um, that was an important time for me. Cause that was a time where I was still, we're, 
we were we were our powers were combining to do something that hasn't that wasn't done at the time. which is different from Mutant Academy. In Mutant Academy, I'm more of a, a like an older statesman type of figure. You know, those guys are those guys are like shh, almost like maybe some of them some are like 10 years younger than me. The time with chocolate milk though. Like we were all, you know, on the, on the same on the same level, same same playing field, same stage and we were really striving to do something that at the time wasn't done. Um, this beat scene that there really wasn't much of a beat scene that the only thing that was happening back then was like you know the whole brain feeder la type of thing so we kind of uh molded ourselves and likened ourselves to be like the east coast counterpart to that so um we were definitely more experimental we were trying out different things um still kind of like even finding our styles back then so like now we kind of like with mutant academy and also, there there weren't any rappers in in Chocolate Milk. You know, it was just strictly beats. So that's that's really the main difference. Like with Mutant Academy, it's like you know we're making beat. Like I'm making beats for the rappers that are in Mutant Academy. So yeah, it's it's it's, it's different. You know, but both important important because i know not everyone's like nicholas f where they can turn around records in a day. You know, if you work with a lot of rappers, you can get disgruntled waiting on people. That back and forth process, etc. Yeah, yeah, that's a fact. Um, that's why that's why I like Nicholas F a lot, man. Like that's why I, I think he low key is a genius. The way that he is able to make music so fast and 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 have it be so potent. That's and for me, like I make music. I have just I just I make music every day. So to have somebody be able to turn around with it that fast, that means something to me, and I connected a lot to that. So it's, it makes it makes the process a whole lot easier. Well, by the time this episode comes out, we're gonna have a new president. Are you filled with hope? I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm filled with hope that yeah, I'm uh, that with the hopefully hopefully the the change uh that you know, we can we can start making real headway uh with with some of the uh the action and programs that that we have or or thinking about um so yeah, I yeah, I'm I'm, I'm hopeful to a degree. I asked you that because there was a particular person who believed that Power differentials, not simply racist attitudes, was responsible for the existence of racism. What did Dr. Amos N. Wilson mean to you? Oh, wow. Uh, Dr. Amos Wilson, he, amongst amongst other master teachers, um, just helped me um, gain more insight into uh, into the, uh, you know, the, the aspects of, of race and class and social uh, dynamics between, you know, uh, different, you know, uh, aspects of society. So just being able to, uh, you know, have the access to his books and YouTube videos and all that stuff is just help fortify and uh, give me more, um, give me more insight into, uh, into, uh, you know, racial uh, politics. So it's, yeah, very important. I mean, very important. It is very important to that we look at the reality of the situation we are in or else we can come blinded by our attempt to maintain ourselves with just good feelings and great feelings and that can be just as harmful you see as not knowing the truth as well 
We have to tell both sides the truth. If you're only going to learn about conspiracy and then react, you remain in the same mode of action that we are in today, reactionary. Our orientation toward the world today as African people must be pro-actionary. Our ability to defend ourselves must occur before the fact. And in turn, you get, you get a little bit of self-knowledge, correct? Absolutely, because that's, that's key. Knowledge of self is key. Without knowledge of self, you lost out here. You will, or you will be lost. You'll end up believing anything, you know, if you don't know who you are first. I th- yeah, I think I think self knowledge is important f- to become a producer because we should be aware of our roles. So while I know that Obliv is a great beat maker, a great producer, a valuable member of Mutant Academy, and someone that I sought out to be on this podcast, what kind of person is he? And how does that affect the music? Does it affect his music? If he was an asshole, would his music be better? To which degree does his mood impact his music? The the easygoing, serious, intellectual, inspiring Obliv, or behind on the bills, damn, there's no more beer in the fridge, my dog just died, Obliv. You know, why do people listen to his music? Do we have different reasons for it? What is it that he does that is of value to them? You know, I, I asked like 10 rhetorical questions in a row because <laughs> I don't want to gloss over the term self-knowledge and not project how important these things play a role in an artist such as yourself. I think you've asked yourself all these and answered them. And I think that's why you're such a good producer. Do you think I'm off base with that? Um, no, no. It's, it's interesting. You, interesting. You even asked that. Um, cause I was, I was actually, um, talking to my son about, about that a couple of days ago, just about like who, who he is at, at this point in life and, and what he wants to be in the future and all that. But for me personally, um, I, I believe myself to be, and I feel, and I, I, I mean, I've seen myself and as, as, as a person that is, uh, that's understanding, uh, I've, I've grown to become more responsible, compassionate. And I try to, I try to, uh, you know, put that into my music. Um, I try to, you know, put out, uh, energy from myself that I want to see and I want other people to, uh, to have or, or to, to feel for me. And, and, and maybe, uh, it might, it might inspire them to, 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 to be that, um, I, I've been I've been I've been told from my wife that I'm I'm nurturing, you know, and these are all things that I I have seen in myself and maybe not even verbalized until like now. But I feel like at this age, I feel like I'm I'm, I'm getting more confident in being able to verbalize uh, these things. Um, I feel like some of my greatest strengths is my sensitivity, sensitivity and my intuition with people's feelings, you know, being able to, cause I mean, I've, I've, I've gotten many um, messages about uh, when I put out something and then people hit me up and be like, wow, you put this out for me. You put this out for me right now. It's like whatever, whatever project, whatever it's like, yo, this came out right on time for me. Like you're, you're speaking directly to me with this. I feel like that's, that's who I am. You know, uh, I'm a Pisces and Pisces, uh, astrologically speaking all that it's the, it's the last it's the last sign in the zodiac it encompasses aspects traits of all the other signs and i feel that i'm i do uh, display a lot of the traits of other signs and me being able to acknowledge that is also a sign of it you know so i just i just feel like 
um, just being sensitive to, to nature and, and intuitive and being able to read people and read people's feelings and emotions and, and expressing things that people may need at that time is important for me. And I, I, I want to, you know, that's what I want to express. And you as a person, when we're in this quarantine, as a result, you already told me that you were, you make music every day, but as a result, what you just told me and who you are as a person, have you been more creative or less creative? You know, did you make 10 beats a day or did you not create for months? When, when it all, when all this started, I was, I was going, I was going mega hard, like super hard. Like I said, I, I make music every day. So really when, when the quarantine hit and all that, it really didn't affect me. I was just going about my daily and I was like, actually like, you know, glad it was happening. Cause I was like, Oh, so y'all like everybody can feel what I'm feeling. Cause I just stay in the house pretty much every day anyways, making music and stuff. But, um, you know, as time goes on, like I've kind of like eased up a little bit. I'm still making stuff every day, but with not much, not, not as much, uh, is the, um, intensity with the same, um, intention though. Uh, but, but not intensity though, but it, it I feel like it's kind of taken a toll. I've kind of eased up a little bit, kind of like relaxing a little bit on life, like just taking in life a little more. But when it started, I was just, it ain't affecting me. I was just going hard. I, I, I literally made like the first what, March, April, first two months, I made about four, four albums worth of like stuff. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'm still making stuff. That's just how I work anyways. Like my whole thing is like, my goal is to make at least 20 to 30 minutes of music a day, content, something like recordings, 20 to 30 minutes of music a day. So it really, it really hasn't affected me in that way. It actually has slowed me down a little bit to me, just like appreciating life a little more, you know, like, you know, life is too short. I, you know, spending more time with my family and, and things like that. Well, let me let me ask you. Bruce Lee said, "All knowledge ultimately means self knowledge." Is that a cop out, or do you agree with that? I agree with that. It because it, it all comes back to self. Because it's it's all it's about you experiencing everything. So anything that you learn you, in this world, you can apply to yourself, and then you can take that and take and and apply it back into the world. And 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 so yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. All right, man. I pre- that's some heavy conversation for a podcast, man. I appreciate you giving me some insight on that. Oh, no. Thank you, man. Thanks for the questions. It's great. Uh, before before we go, though, would you be offended if I suggested an idea for your next project? Uh, go for it. All right. Here we go. If I if I said the name Elaine Gorigar, would that ring a bell? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Okay. So he, for those that don't know, he is the jazz pianist who composed the soundtrack to a film called Fantastic Planet. Mm-hmm. And his birthday was in August. He's 89 years old and he is still alive. And I would love for you to flip that whole soundtrack track by track because he's still alive. You can call him up today and get his blessing. Wow. Because the work you did based off of Piero Umalani, I think that's his last uh-huh, name. Yeah. It was great, but he wasn't alive to appreciate the work. He died right after you graduated high school. Wow. So this guy, you could get his blessing. You could flip it. It could be your next masterpiece, man. I'm just going to throw that in the universe. You could take yo, it. Oh, yo, okay, okay. Yo, it's so, yo, it's so crazy. You just said that too. As soon as you said the name, <laughs> I, I knew exactly what you were going to say. And I, I, because I had just been, 
that's that's my wife and I. That's our favorite movie. Like we watch that religiously. Like man, like I have I have the Criterion edition of that. I watch it all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't I don't wish death on anybody, but eighty nine is pretty old. I don't know if he's got man, that much time I'm, left, and I would love for him. I'm gonna have to, to get on it then. Uh, yeah, I would love for him to uh, to experience. Uh, you know, a, a little, uh, a little bit of your touch on that. I'm gonna have to get on it then. If that's the <laughs> man. All right. Well, as you think about that, or if you're pretending that's a good idea, not to no, hurt my feelings. No, it's not. No, 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 no. no I'm not pretending, man. I'm not. All right. I, I do want to give you the floor to uh, promote or talk about anything that that you want to tell your fans, man. You, you have the floor. Oh wow! Well, I just want to. I just want to thank everybody. That's that's uh, you know. I stuck around since what 2008 2009 since Rugged Tranquility, uh, Black Soap, uh, you know those very first projects, uh, Freak Beat, all of those. Anybody that has Freak Beat, please if you if you have that, contact me because um, I have not heard that since I released it, and I have no uh, uh, record or copy of that at all. So if anybody has that, please contact me. I just want to hear it. Um, but yo, much love, to, much love to you, yo. Thank you for the questions. Um, they were thoughtful, insightful. They made me think. Um, everybody that's listening, um, please be on the lookout. I've got uh, I got some records on the way. Um, we're doing. I'm doing a vinyl issue of uh, Spirit Medicine that's coming out either this month or next month. Um, and we got uh, we got uh, Rugged Tranquility two, and we're putting out uh, a double album of Rugged Tranquility and Rugged Tranquility two on vinyl. Um, I got some crazy collabs coming up uh next year and i just want everybody to just you know, stay tuned um and just like you know, thank you and peace and strength to everybody i just want everybody to be safe um and just get more knowledge yourself and you know, that's it that's what's up man Bandcamp is uh i think where where people can support you with the most accessibility right yeah yeah obliv at bandcamp.com or obliv.com um, be on the lookout. Yeah, Dark Twain, Bradford Thomas, Pangea, uh, all those aliases um, you can find uh, online. I, I tweet about them and all that good stuff. So yeah, those are all just different facets, different sides of of who I am. So check them out. I mean, if you want to take it a step further, call up Light ninety eight. Tell them to play more Obliv if you really want to support them. That's a fact. <laughs> That's a fact. Please. <laughs> Obliv, you're a, you're a scholar and a gentleman. I appreciate your time, man. You're, you're welcome back on the show anytime. Oh, man. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs>